destino para ti lo que viniera de ti. Welcome to the Inside the Journey podcast. This is episode 21 for Sunday, September 22nd, 2013. I'm Nelson DeWitt. And John Younger. Today, we are going to talk about some media resources that have helped us understand the war in El Salvador a bit better. As we've been working on this film, we've done a lot of research to try and understand what happened there with any kind of war it can be very complicated, and I and I feel like this particular war was very very complicated, and and even now we're only starting to understand, a, you know, a lot of what happened. So what we want to do today is just go through some resources that we found helpful in our research process to try and you know educate ourselves. And I think the reason that this information is so important is because. We get into these situations, like for example, now with Syria, where where things are presented in in very simplistic ways, and it's so complicated when you when you dig into it. So, well, let's jump right in, John. What's what's okay. the first one that we're going to talk about? The first one is a documentary called "The Trials of Henry Kissinger," which is an Alex Gibney, Gibney documentary based on a Christopher Hitchens book. And Alex Gibney also did like Enron, the smartest guys in the room. He did the recent WikiLeaks documentary. Uh, so this is, I think it's still available on Netflix. You can go and watch it. We both watched it separately. I believe I found it first and then I pointed you to it. Uh, so Or vice versa. Right. <laughs> Either way. So this, this particular documentary kind of digs into this who was Henry Kissinger, and it looks at his or the U.S. foreign policy through the Vietnam War into South America. Is that right? It looks. It concentrates on a couple of points from the book. I think, in particular, it, it really goes into um, the U.S. bomb Kissinger's role in the U.S. bombing of Cambodia in Vietnam, in the Vietnam War, anyway. Um, and then it gets into East Timor, which I don't think we'll talk about as much, which was um, the Indonesian government invaded an island and killed like 200,000 people. And uh, basically the argument he makes is Kissinger gave him the green light to do this. Um, but And then the, the third part is that, that he examines the assassination of um, Chilean President Salvador Allende and installation of a dictator to replace him. And, and so what Kissinger's role was in helping make that possible. Um, so really it's looking at this big cold warrior for the U.S. and how um, some, of, some of the activities he participated in were very secretive. Yeah. So what was your big takeaway from watching this film? You want to start with me or start with you? Well, we'll, we'll start with you. I mean, what, what was your big takeaway? Like I think it, mine's more analytical and yours is more emotional. And I think maybe that's, yours is more interesting in one way. All right. Well, then ask me what my takeaway was. Well, okay. I, well, I remember you were mad. Like, I, I remember I said, oh, you should watch this. And you're like, you got, you got mad as, as I think is, is rightful, you know. Um, and I just wanted to hear why. You, you had a big response to it. I think my, um, my feeling from watching that film was that you know honestly that that particular film kind of irked me more than some of the stuff i've watched about my own country 
And the reason that I think it did was, I think around the same time, I also watched this uh, documentary film about Nixon. And what was interesting about these two characters was the way that they began to manipulate things for their own sort of personal agenda. And there's this great line, and I don't know if it's in, I might be confusing the two, but they say like, they didn't want the US to appear weak in this situation. And so that the reason that they undermined, um, you know, political campaigns and did all this secretive bombing and all these, you know, kind of nasty things was all in the name of making the US appear to be strong. And had they just, you know, ended the war, yes, America might have come home with its tail between its legs a little bit, but it would have saved, you know, countless lives and and prevented all of these really nasty things from happening. And and, then and you're, you're talking specifically to the the movie makes the point that Kissinger had a role in delaying the end of the Vietnam War by like I'm not sure exactly like nine months or something. I think it was longer than that. Because he was conducting this um, this negotiation with the North Vietnamese. Right. And, and then it, and I think it undermining even... Undermining the president's position. Right. I mean, it even, it even undermined the, you know, to get Nixon in there, they undermined the previous president. Yes, Johnson. Johnson. So he couldn't have his peace treaty and then Nixon would get the credit, but then it... It went, you know, the war ended up going into past Nixon, right? Yeah, 75. Right. So anyway, the the reason that I had this emotional reaction to it was because I felt like this was the beginning of this American way of thinking that we can just do whatever we want as long as it, it makes us look strong, you know? And mm-hmm. and sort of the arrogance of many people who were in power, which I think continued on to what happened with my family in Central America. And it, 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 it's, you know, I think another connection that I had was with um, the interview that I did with my uncle. And he said, I, I asked him point blank, I am American. I was raised by American family. And yet it was American Americans who did this to to us, who broke apart our family, how am I supposed to deal with that? And he said, you know, our war was not with the American people. They're our brothers. Our war was with the imperialists who thought that they could control everything. And and to me, this movie was like these. This is what he was talking about. These these were the people who just you know broke all the rules and did whatever they thought was best for them and and you know this perception of of american power so like mm-hmm. I, I think that's why it kind of got to me okay to me well there are two things that were really fascinating about that documentary mm-hmm. um one of the things that was fascinating to me was the bombing in, of cambodia sequence where we talk about where in the documentary they talk about how more tonnage of bombs was dropped in Cambodia, a country we secretly, you know, like they would send the orders to the planes and then they'd reroute the planes in the air and then they'd change the logbooks and it like never even happened. And they dropped more tons of bombs on that country illegally 
than were dropped in all of World War II, like combined. There's a couple points they make about that. One is why why they do it at all. Basically, they're letting you inside the mind of this ultimate cold warrior and making a couple of arguments about what the purpose of the bombing of Cambodia was. And I think it had something to do with triangulation, um, sort of setting one enemy off against another. Right. And and well, also it had to do with this this game theory version of war called madman theory, where essentially if you think you'll if your enemy thinks you'll do something so completely insane, um, if they really believe it because you've done it, then it, it changes sort of the spectrum of, of the debate of how the sides are framed, you know, how the eventual negotiation end of war is framed, and it tilts it in the favor of this side with the crazy element. And well, I thought those two things were fascinating. I, I think that's another thing that, that kind of got to me was this idea of playing the two sides against each other, yes. you know, like like that that they were just somehow better than than an entire country or something, you know, you know, it, it was this it was this mentality of we're just going to take this one side, uh, Cambodia and you know North well, I think Vietnam. It was a, a or, lot of a lot of what Nixon and Kissinger were doing had to do with. China and Russia and and proxy wars and and had nothing to do with the people who were actually dying. Right, you know? and and that's the point I'm trying to make is like that's the thing that that I think got to me as well is that there was this this arrogance side and then this you know having these two countries that have nothing to do with with this at all go at it you know and and we're playing them like pawns and. It's a, it's similar to what happened in Central America, where they're playing these two sides, and it doesn't really matter what the government is has done or is doing to its own people. They're just playing that side because it's in the interest of U.S. policy, mm -hmm. or, or the you know perceived. Anyway. Yeah, what I found fascinating about this documentary is whether you you think Kissinger's a hero or a villain, whatever your view. It takes you inside how inside not it's not the way we talk about wars, but maybe it's the way we fight wars. Um, and I thought it was really fascinating. And so that's that one. So we're gonna move on from that Kissinger documentary film, but the interesting thing that that kind of came from that is you could see this timeline and how how U.S. policy in the Vietnam era sort of shaped. U.S. policy in the in Central America in the late 70s and early 80s. And our second resource that we found very helpful was the Dos Eres piece, uh, which is called Finding Oscar, and it was a joint report well, from uh, NPR. Well, it was a joint report by NPR's This American Life and ProPublica. And John, do you want to tell us a little bit more about what that piece was about? Sure. I think uh, NPR called it What Happened at Dos Aires and, and uh, ProPublica called it Finding Oscar, right? Um, and they did like a print piece and a radio piece and even a, a shorter video follow-up. And basically, we've talked about this before and it's about Guatemala and the Civil War in Guatemala and a man who now lives in Framingham, Massachusetts, who's like 
I think your age, Nelson, who was um, raised raised in Guatemala and and moved to Massachusetts as an adult and has a family there now. And he got a call like two years ago, out of the blue, from a prosecutor in Guatemala who said, "Please don't hang up the phone." Type of call, like, and essentially upended his entire life story. This guy had no idea that he wasn't raised by his birth parents, and it turns out that he was one of two survivors from a town in Guatemala that was massacred. Um, 200 people were slaughtered by an army unit and thrown down a well, and two children were, for, for Lord knows what reason, um, I think in his case it might have been because he had green eyes, which is an amazing detail. Um, he was spared and taken home by one of one of the army unit and raised by that person's family. And the, the, the person who took him home later, like six months later, was killed in war, so he doesn't even remember this person. But he grew up thinking it was his father. And this piece goes on to talk about how a case is being built against, uh, against some of these military commanders and how this person, I think his name's Oscar Ramirez in Framingham, literally how by his DNA he is evidence that this massacre occurred because he's, um, he has the DNA of family victims and in fact his father was out in the fields that day and is still alive um, and yet he was raised by a military family so it puts the military at the scene and having kidnapped him. There's my, there's my description of the article. It, it also goes, it goes into, it's very personal, it goes into his story of reunion with his father um, and it goes into the history of what happened. There's a, a sounds wrong. familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. In in a lot of ways. I guess why we segued into the story is is you know it's it's very it was a graphic massacre. I mean, 200 people were killed, um, and the tactic that they used to partly to enforce the silence of of the people who did the killing was that everybody had to kill somebody. If if you were in the army in Guatemala and you were in that unit, they even had the cook kill somebody. Um, so that they could never talk about it. You know, they were just murdering innocent civilians. And it sort of goes back to some of this, how a war was fought. Um, basically, the unspeakable, the unthinkable was done. I think a lot of that was also done in El Salvador at the very beginning. You know, you, sort of this this hard right edge was was let loose um, in the early years of the war. And, and you know, Kids, kids were disappeared. These unspeakable acts were done. Um, the worst of the worst in El Salvador happened from 80 to 82. And I, and the, I think this uh, story in Guatemala is in that time frame as well. So, so I, I, I think that the, the Henry Kissinger documentary and you know the analogy with the bombing of Cambodia helps you understand if once you get a chance if people are interested in watching it a little how such unnecessary carnage sometimes happens. I thought that's an interesting interesting thing to talk about. So I listened to this piece on the NPR report. I listened mm -hmm. to the um, radio version of it on NPR, This, American's Life, this American Life. And it was, you know, it, it reminds me a lot of my own story and 
I think this is even more dramatic than uh, my own in some ways. Uh, just the fact that, you know, we got a call out of the blue and it was to say that your family's looking for you. Oscar got a call out of the blue saying you are a critical piece in this, you know, uh, human rights abuse, this uh, um, massacre, trial. active trial. You know, Which is national news in Guatemala at the time. Right. So, you know, that's a, a completely different, you know, that, that's a completely different scenario, a different piece of news to be giving someone. And it, you know, that turns your life upside down as well. And the other thing that I, I imagine was incredibly hard was the fact that his father, you know, he's finding out that not only is he not his father, but he's also the one that, that killed his village. Yeah. His mother, his siblings. His siblings, yeah. And one of the things that I see happen time and time again that makes these type of stories so difficult to deal with as the adoptee is the fact that it's not just finding your family that's overwhelming, but it's also the fact, like, the details of how you were separated and what happened in the war. So it's like this double whammy where you're, you know, you've found your family, but then the reasons around your separation are sometimes really awful. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's kind of, how do you deal with that? How do you become okay with the fact that the person you looked up to for so many years then turns out to be the person who murdered the rest of your family or was in charge of the people who murdered the rest of your family? You know, like that's mm -hmm. very difficult psychologically to, to deal with and to get over. And I think that that um, dynamic is something that I see a lot of people struggle with. We're going to cut it down to just three resources that we, we think feel make, make our subject matter feel a little more accessible. Um, the third is a movie called Innocent Voices by Oscar Torres. Or it was written by Oscar Torres, and it's, it's uh, kind of loosely based, or maybe a little more than loosely on his life. Um, he's, he lives in LA now, but he, I think he was, he was born in El Salvador and experienced the war when he was a young boy. Um, and it's, in, it's a movie that's in Spanish with English subtitles and it came out I think in the early 90s. Um, and it's basically just about how the war sort of came to his, his little village and how it affected his family and friends how some of those friends were um, just taken into the military and made to fight as child soldiers, um, how some of his other little friends, you know, their families may have been killed. Um, so that's, that's what that story's about. And what are your thoughts on that movie, Nelson? I thought it was, I actually, I don't remember if it was one of the harder films that I've watched or not, you know, emotionally. But I thought that, it, you know, it was interesting the way, and then you reminded me of this just now, that the war kind of crept into his village. And then his friends were separated from him. And I, and I, and there's this one part where his, you know, he's separated from his, his buddy that he grew up with, and he's, his friend is taken into the military and then they, they meet again years later and his friend almost kills him, you know, cause it, now he's a soldier and he has a gun and like they're the mm -hmm. same age and they grew up and now his best friend 
is pointing a gun at him and threatening him, you know, and it, it like, it really takes you through the, I mean, I not, not being someone who lived that war, but it gives you a sense of how disruptive the war was and how incredibly hard it was on the people there. How terrifying it was. And terrifying, yeah. Like, like there's a scene where all the kids are at school, and the school is built around a central courtyard, and one day the military comes into the school and gets the roll call from the, the nuns that are running the school, and basically anybody who's over the age of 14, they, they pull out of there, you know, um, and they put them in the army. And and that you know, and then the kid goes back home, and he was spared that day. But how that affected his mother, um, how you know, you, you'd see scenes like that, or you see scenes like people just living life in this little village, and all of a sudden there'd be a firefight in this village um, between the rebels and the the army, and it would be splintering the the shacks that the people lived in. And and um, there's one scene where the mother's not home, and the the protagonist and his two siblings are home alone and you know they're you know here's a six-year-old kid or something trying to help his other siblings get through it as the bullets are whizzing by and he just gets them to sing a song and it just it gets to the terror that these people faced and still live with I think you know I, I've had a I have a friend of mine who's and I won't go into their story but you know experience this where their siblings had to help them through this, you know, just to survive. And, you know, really just horrible situations. And, you know, yeah, yeah, I think this this movie is um takes you through that journey of uh, and gives you a sense of kind of what it must have been like, you know, and and obviously one of the reasons why we're trying to share these resources is because it is so hard to identify with what happened. And yet it's very important to understand their struggles and their challenges as we try and make the film. And I, and I think that like the best way to, to think about this is that in the Henry Kissinger era, he's making all of these decisions on such a high level. And he's playing these two sides against each other and he's doing whatever it is in that is in the in America's best interests. And in, res- in his in his view. In in his view, correct. And the result of it, when you go down to the personal level, is this little kid in his, you know, house being shot at and all these horrible things that are happening to, you know, this little boy. And so I think that that maybe is a good way to describe it, that, you know, like these these policy decisions that are made from afar and the way that they affect the individual person can be seen by looking at, at these three different articles that we or these three different resources that we've talked about today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think uh, whatever your political affiliations are, I think that these these three resources speak to how wars are fought, what some of the strategy is, and how it affects people. And and I think it's something we're struggling with and continue our... to struggle with, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Great. Well that is where we're gonna end it for today. I'm Nelson DeWitt. 
and John Younger. And the Advocate Experience is now live, so you can go check that out. The link for that is inbarfilm.com slash T-A-E for the Advocate Experience. And all the details and how you can apply are on that page. So go check it out. You as the podcast listener, you get first dibs. So go check it out. The email about that will be out this week. And that's all I got for now. All right. Cue the music. Cue the music.